by asking you a question. What does every child ask while riding in the car on a long journey? Oh, man, I think you guys have heard. Have you heard that? Jim, have you heard that a few times? Just a few. From Tammy. From Tammy. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Did you just call your wife a child? I don't, I don't, I'm not going there, not going there. Yeah, we all ask that. Well, you could say we are there. We are there on our journey through the Psalms of Ascent. This morning, we've reached the last of the Psalms of Ascent. So turn your Bible to Psalms 134, 134. We've reached the end of this series, but not the end of our journey to joy. Uh, that won't happen until the day that we're raptured, until the Lord returns to establish His millennial kingdom, and the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, and we have finally gone further up and further in, and we've arrived at our desired destination. So, two weeks ago, we started this series, Begin the New Year with the End in Mind. And we're studying these last two Psalms, 133, 134. Two weeks ago, we did 133. Emmanuel was supposed to teach. Uh, We took Amber to a college visit to John Brown down in Siloam Springs, Arkansas, and uh, checked out John Brown University, and Emmanuel was set. But we had the the apocalypse of January 15, and that's basically basically what happened right you know it wasn't you know i don't know so we didn't have church so glad you're here um glad i didn't miss anything and we'll have emmanuel uh, in fact they're taking their daughter down to uh sbu uh, today uh to start school jemima's back from uh getting her papers and so they're starting school and so be praying for them but here we are and uh, we want to just remind you of these two psalms together Psalms 133 and 134 reveal the ultimate goal of our journey to joy. I said before, I love how these two psalms, the last two psalms on these journey, these journey psalms, they end with behold, behold. You know, are we there yet? Are we yet? Yeah, there it is. Behold. And it shows us the goal of our journey to joy. And so 133.1 begins, behold, the unity of God's people gathered to worship. Again, they've traveled from all over Israel. And here they are in Jerusalem and the excitement, the thrill. I mean, just like when you, whenever you're gathered with a bunch of people. Uh, It's just exciting, and they're anticipating. And then Psalm 134, verse 1, hey, we're not just gathered to get together. We're not gathered just to see our buddies in a, a family reunion. Behold, the majesty of God's presence glorified in worship. That is our ultimate goal. The goal of our journey to joy is God's presence with God's people in God's place. But, we also see at the end of these, in these two Psalms, they're really short, three verses, but they end and both Psalms reveal how our journey to joy will finally end in, in, in eternity. It's amazing. They each mention Zion. And remember from our study, we know Zion uh, is, includes that whole mountainous area. It includes the temple. 
in Jerusalem. It includes the city of Jerusalem. It includes the Davidic king who reigns over Jerusalem and all of Israel. It's really God's presence with God's people and God's place. That is what Zion means. And so Psalm 133 ended for there. And in context, the there is on the mountains of Zion, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. Listen, there's not many sources of eternal life. There's one source, and it's in the place, in the person, and it's through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately the ultimate King of David. Then in Psalm 134 that we're studying today, May the Lord bless you from Zion, who made he who made heaven and earth. So the final end of our journey to joy is all the blessings of eternal life. Now, what we want to do is begin this new year with the end in mind. And when you put these two psalms together, and they really belong together, you get one great message to begin the new year. And it's this. Witness our unity as we worship His majesty on our journey to joy. In Psalm 133, we saw witness our unity as His gathered people. And today we're going to focus on worship His majesty in His glorious presence because that's what Psalm 134 is about. See, as His people, when we gather together, we're a preview of coming attractions. So what we do by journeying to Glenwood on a weekly basis to worship We're saying, look, this is a preview of coming attractions. It's imperfect. It's imperfect. It's very normal. It looks very ordinary. But these are God's people in God's place to worship in His presence. And we're on this journey, and one day it's going to be perfect. One day it's going to be glorious. One day it's going to be awesome. The sound will always work. The PowerPoints won't mess up. You know, the preachers will be no longer imperfect. You know, the people, I mean, it's just going to be wonderful. It's going to be glorious. This is it. This is why. But what's coming is why you're here today. And that's what I want really to have you keep in mind. So we're revealing by our unity that one day we're going to be all united with people from all places and tongues and languages, and then we're uniting to put our focus on Him because one day that's going to be the ultimate. That's the ultimate end of history. History is His story, and the destiny of all of history is to enter in to His presence. So, now let me see if I can. Yeah, there we go. So let's take a look at. It. Look in your Bible, Psalm one thirty four. Check out Psalm one thirty four. Beautiful Psalm. In fact, it's, um, it's the uh, short, next to the shortest psalm and next to the shortest chapter in the Bible. Um, there's one psalm that has actually fewer words in it. But let's look at it. It's, it's short on, on exhortation, but it's big on experience. Because worship is not so much uh, you know, something that you study and examine. It's something that you experience. So let's take a look at this. Behold. Behold, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord, who serve by night in the house of the Lord. Lift hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. 
Now, before we get started, I just want to make three inductive observations. So, look at your Bible, and what word do you see Is that repeated the most? How many times is blessed? How many times? Four. How many times? What else is repeated? How many times is it repeated? Okay, so we got two big words repeated, which is really amazing. Let me. How many times you guys got blessed? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Who was it? Was that Aaron? Was that? Who was that? All right. But those are the repeated words, which is pretty amazing, those short verses. So let's first observe the word that's repeated the most, the Lord, five times. Who is the Lord? It's in all caps. This is the covenant of God. It's Yahweh, the name that God himself revealed to Moses in Exodus 6. It's the covenant God of Israel, who is the creator of all things. Notice that's mentioned in verse 3. He's the redeemer of his chosen people, whom he called out a bondage unto himself to worship as his people in his presence, in his chosen place. That was the message of of, uh, Moses to Pharaoh. Let my people go, that they may go out and worship me in my place, in my presence, as my people. point is... The mention of the Lord five times really emphasizes the essence of worship. It's to worship the majesty of His glorious presence. So, who is worship about? Whose presence do we worship in? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. You get the idea? It's emphatic. Who can can we not wait to see? On our end of our journey to joy. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's emphasized. Now, I can't wait to see family and friends who were born again and died in the Lord. I'm sure you have loved ones. But listen, listen, our greatest love, our greatest passion to be not to see loved ones is to see the Lord that saved those loved ones and to gather with loved ones focused on who? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's that the word bless is mentioned three times. Now, this is an interesting word. The background of this word, it's rooted in the idea of kneeling. Okay, it has to do with kneeling because you would also often kneel to be blessed. Someone would lay hands on your head, you would be kneeling. Also, children would be taken on the lap, on the knees to be blessed. So this word has a lot to do about kneeling. In fact, listen to Psalm 95, Psalm 95, verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And this word kneel is the same word bless that I just read in that verse. But the idea of blessing associated with kneeling is not about the posture of the body as much as it is about the inward posture of your heart. It speaks of submission. It speaks of kneeling in reverence before the Lord. So that's the idea. Listen to Psalm 72, 19, where this word is used again. And blessed be, there's the word, and blessed be his glorious name. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. 
amen and amen. So really, you've got the context of what worship is about to be, uh, uh, is supposed to be about. Now, the third thing I want you to observe in just these three short verses, repetition of the Lord five times, repetition of bless three times, but there's a progression. There's almost an order of worship in these verses. And if you notice, in verses 1 and 2, it begin, well, actually, verse 1, it begins, Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And it's referring, I think, to the servants that are in the temple. And he's saying, hey, you servants in the temple, you bless the Lord. And then verse 2 says, lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I think that's speaking of the people that are gathered to worship. But then notice the last part. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So it begins with us gathered in community to bless the Lord. But you know what's interesting about verse 3? That's in the singular. It's individual. So here's the cool thing about worship. We all come gathered in unity, Psalm 133, gathered in unity to bless the Lord, to revere Him, to kneel before Him, to exalt His name. And in doing so, our great and mighty God will in you, and you, and you, and you, and you. Isn't that wonderful? And so when we leave, we come away, we come to bless Him, and we come away what? Being blessed. Wow, kind of cool. So here's the big idea. Let's reveal the majesty of His coming by worshiping together. So how do we do that? So what I want to do is break down this passage with three basic questions. Three basic questions about worshiping the majesty of His glorious presence. And I'm excited about this lesson because I've been preparing and I'm not yet sure when we're going to do it. But we're going to do a whole series on worship. And just what is worship and how to worship. It will be a topical study. And so it won't so much be a, an exposition of a book. But uh, it will be a topical study of worship. But this is certainly a great passage to get us into it. So here's the three questions we're going to ask this morning. What does it mean to worship the majesty of His glorious presence? How do we worship the majesty of His glorious presence? And how long do we worship the majesty of His glorious presence? So let's begin with the first question. The first question is... What does it mean? What does it mean to worship the majesty of His glorious presence? Well, in these three verses, we get four, I think, four essentials of what... It's the first one. We stand or serve in His glorious presence, We st- in His holy presence. We stand, or you could say serve, because in some of your Bibles, in some of your Bibles in verse 1, it says, bless the Lord, all servants of the Lord who serve. That's what the New American says by night. Uh, ESV and others say who stand by night in the house of the Lord. And the NIV moves on to interpret it correctly as those who uh, minister by night. And so the first thing we want to see is that worship is standing in God's presence. That's probably a we need to really think about a little bit. Now, what's the Old Testament meaning? What's it, what in the Old Testament, what's it mean to stand in the presence of the Lord? Um, most likely, 
This refers to the priests and the Levites that served by night and day in the temple. When you, you don't think about how much work went in to worship in Old Testament Israel. I mean, you had wood to cut. You had fires to keep going. You had ashes to collect. You had animals to care for. You had animals to sacrifice and slaughter. You had blood. You had carcasses. I mean, it, it you know, we just think, ah, oh, so nice worship. And man, this was, this was bloody business and it was hard work. And there was a lot of work to be done. The light of the lamp could never go out night or day. And so I think the idea here is the priests and the Levites that served night and day into the temple. And here's why. Let me read you a couple verses. You can look these up. 1 Kings 8.10 and 1 Chronicles 9.33. 1 Kings 8.10. It happened that when the priests came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. So there in that verse we see the priest would stand to minister. And we're going to see in a moment, they literally did a lot of standing. If you were a priest in the temple, you did a lot of standing. You stood to pray. You stood to keep things going. You stood before people as they confessed their sins and, and as you examined their sacrifices. So it's a very literal standing in order to serve. But also in First Chronicles 9.33, let me read that to you. It says this, Now, these are the singers, the heads of the father's households of the Levites, who lived in the chambers of the temple, free from other servants, service, for they were engaged in their work day and night. So you had two classes of people. You had the priests that did the priestly work of the family of Aaron, but you also had the, the, the tribe of Levi who were kind of the worker bees of the temple. And so they would do all the, the heavy lifting and the hard work. And together, these servants were in the presence of the Lord because they were in the temple where God's presence uh, resided and they would work night and day. And as I said, they literally stood before the Lord to do a lot of their worship. But here's what I want you to realize. This isn't standing around. This isn't standing around. This is standing to minister, 1 Kings 8. Engaged in work, 1 Chronicles uh, uh, 9. So the idea of standing in the presence of the Lord, let me give you, here's the definition then in light of that. Standing in the presence of the Lord is the privilege of entering into His presence to serve Him and to serve His people. It's the privilege of living in the presence of holy God and preparing others to worship Him and preparing the place of worship for others to worship Him. Wow! So, here's the idea. Here's the idea. Let's, let's go back to Psalm 134. Here's the idea. These pilgrims have traveled a long ways. And it's been by caravan and smelly camel and, and it's been hard. Remember Psalm 120, the beginning of the Psalms? There's, there's dangers in the hills and there's difficulties along the way. And finally they get to Jerusalem and they say, Behold, look, let's worship the Lord. And basically it's like they've arrived 
and it's in the middle of the night and they can't wait to worship in the morning and they're saying, hey, you guys in there, we're out here ready to worship. Get going. Get ready. Prepare. Because we can't wait to worship the Lord. So what? I mean, yeah, just think about that. We are here. We're ready to worship. Lead us in worship because we've come to worship. I mean, I'm telling you, I think we need to take a hard look, myself included. Is this our attitude when we come to church? Do we come with an eager anticipation? Are we thinking during the week, I hope those guys are getting things ready. I hope everybody, I, I just can't wait to come and to be led in worship. Todd, you, you're kind of helping our leadership. I mean, is, is that what you, that's kind of, wouldn't that be glorious? Yeah, it'd be glorious. Oh man, I can't be wait to lead in worship. So what does that mean? Think about the New Testament application. The New Testament. Listen, we are believer priests. We are the Levites. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest. And because if you are rightly connected to him by faith, through grace, and you've been born again into the family of God, you are a believer priest. So we don't have to wait for others to, to prepare us. We get to prepare ourselves for worship. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. In fact, I want you to turn there. Just turn to 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. So turn there in your Bibles. Just a reminder of who you are in Christ. Because if we're not careful... We can bring this Old Testament mentality into the New Testament church and think, hey, I hope those guys are all doing the work of worship because I can't wait to come and be a spectator. I can't wait to come and be entertained. Sadly, many mistake worship for entertainment. And they mistake worship for spectating and rather than serving. But listen to what First Peter 2. So let's look at verses 4 and 5. So follow along. And coming to him... As to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is a choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. The idea is there's not a physical temple. You are the living stones. You are the temple for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. No human mediator. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now drop down to verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what it means to bless the Lord. You're proclaiming the greatness and the excellencies of his name. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so you can't wait to enter his presence. Wow. But turn to Hebrews 13. Check this one out. Turn to Hebrews 13. It gets even better as we think about our journey to joy, to the new Jerusalem. Look at Hebrews 13, and let's look at verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 13, verses 14 through 16. Remember, Psalm 134, they're going to the physical city of Jerusalem. But look at this. For here 
We do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. See, that's our journey to joy. Through Him then, through Him, our High Priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, through Him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Again, that idea of blessing to God. That is, what is our sacrifice? Not animal. It's verbal. The fruit of our lips that give thanks to His name because we don't have to do anything to to cover our sin. We don't have to provide that sacrifice. Jesus Christ is it for you. uh, uh, And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Look at that last verse again. Do not neglect doing good and sharing. Again, you see worship is standing in God's presence to serve in His presence. Worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is is work, the work of preparing things. It's the work of ministering in the presence of the Lord. And let me give you a couple examples of this, of, of modern-day Levites. We got Dane and Jackie making coffee back there. Dane, I hope, you know, I don't know if you're awake when you come this early to make coffee, but you're doing it in the presence of the Lord. You're doing it as an act of worship. Amen. I mean, that's what, and it's preparing people for worship. Now, I don't know what verse in the Bible refers to caffeine preparation for worship, but it seems to be pretty essential in our culture, right? And that's why we do that. We don't do that just because we're, we like coffee. We like hot chocolate. It's all meant to help with the, pre- and, and, and let me tell you, if it doesn't help you, if it gets you too psyched up to worship, quit drinking it. Okay, because the idea is to help us prepare us for worship. I think of Christy cleaning our church. Hey, we we need a house prepared for worship. We need a house and a place where we come. I think of Jeremy and Tyler running sound or the slides and Audra doing sound and slides. Hey, we couldn't have the kind of worship, the kind of teaching we have if Audra's not serving in that capacity. Amen. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're doing. We're talking about the musicians that aren't up front. We're talking about all those things. Darla and her team in the nursery. Brian and George cutting the grass. That's what we're talking about. Listen, first of all, you who do what is often mundane or behind the scenes, first of all, please understand, those are acts of worship that should be done in the presence of the Lord. They are offering up to Him. Acts of service and worship. Can I get an amen? amen. And those of us that, that aren't gifted in those areas, or those aren't our roles, we need to appreciate and understand, oh, thank you for preparing and helping us to worship the Lord. Amen? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see, worship is serving and working as unto the Lord. It's not just standing or sitting in a worship service. It's not being a spectator that watches others serve. It's not being entertained and just clapping at the performance of others. So the first part of this answer, what does it mean to worship? It means to serve in His holy presence. It means the hard work done behind the scenes, but done in the presence of the Lord so others can be prepared to enter into His presence. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Yeah, I think so. Number two, here's another aspect in these verses. Surrender to His majestic power. Worship is not only service in His holy presence, but it's surrender 
to His majestic power. You see, worship is service done out of a heart of surrender. There's a lot of people that start well serving the Lord, but there are few who end well. And the reason that there are those faithful people, week in, week out, Sunday after Sunday, year after year, decade after decade, is because somewhere along in their walk with the Lord, they surrendered it all up. They're not the folks that when they wake up Sunday morning, they think, do I want to go to church? They already surrendered that decision. They're not the ones that go, hey, do I want to keep serving? They already, I'm going to serve. Now, where I serve, the seasons of serving will change. But the, but the issue is, I'm going to be serving. Surrender. Hard to surrender. One of the best ways to illustrate, I think, this is, it's always interesting in the Bible, when you do your Bible study, to look for the first time a word is used. Because usually it's very significant. And that's certainly true with the word of worship in the Bible. Do you know, anybody know offhand where the word worship uh, shows up in the Bible for the first time? Okay, you all know now. Here it is. Are you ready? Genesis 22. Genesis 22 is the first time the word worship is used. And it's used on the lips of Abraham. He has been asked by the Lord to sacrifice his son, his only son. And so he's traveling with Isaac to the place, to the place, God's people, worshiping God's presence in God's place. He's going to the place that the Lord has designated. And here's what he says to his servants. He said to his young men, his servants, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Boy, worship in that context is surrender. Abraham, sacrifice your own please son. Okay, Lord, because that's what worship is. Worship is surrender. Worship is surrender. Now, there's all sorts of ways that that's emphasized in these verses. We won't look long, but notice, what's the number one way, what's the number one way uh, God's people are designated in this, in, this ver- in this chapter, in these verses? Verse 1, we are all what? Servants. Servants. He's the master. We're the servants. We don't listen. We don't come to God and tell him how we want to worship. What do we do? We come and ask God how he wants to be worshiped. And God in his grace has come down and revealed to us how we are to worship. We are worship, we are servants of him. That's the essence of worship. Worship is just kind of coming before the Lord and saying, "I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord." Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. There's some 80s Christian music for you. Great verse, though. Great verse. And remember this idea of blessing? What's the root idea of blessing? Todd, do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Kim does. Kim, Kim, Kim goes. Kim lives. Kim, Kim lived in that world. I, I know. It's a great song, Kim. I'm sorry. And it's stuck forever in my mind. What's the, what's the essence of blessing? What, what was kind of the root idea? Kneeling. 
Worship is surrender before His. Listen, we worship the Lord because of who He is and what He's done. And what He has done is masterful, powerful, and sovereign. And so we yield to Him in our worship. Again, let me read Psalm 95.6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Okay, so what does it mean to worship the majesty of His glorious presence? It means to serve in His holy presence, preparing ourselves and others for worship. It means to surrender our heart to His majestic. Remember, it's not the outward body posture, it's the inward posture of the heart. Do you notice we have not yet talked about singing or music? Okay, because that's not the essence of worship, but it's a, it's a component. Number three, sing, or you could say shout His glorious praise is the third element of worship we see in this passage. Sing or shout His glorious praise. Look at verse 2. Lift up your hands to the sanctuary and bless the Lord. That, that, he, he's saying, verbalize it. And we know from like the next, look at, at the, next, uh, uh, the next psalm that's kind of the f- outflow of, of Psalm 134. Look at 135 and look at verse 3. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. What does it say? Singing praises to his name, for it is lovely. You say, well, when I sing, it's not lovely. That's all right. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It's about what? It's not about your singing ability. It's about your what, Terry? Your heart. It's about your heart. And music appreciation is in the ear of the be, of the hearer. Am I right? Now, I like to sing out loud. I, I, I can't sing. I have no rhythm. If you see me and I'm not clapping, it's not because I, I don't, I'm not into it. It's because I can't do it. And when I do it, my wife laughs at me because I, I am on the upbeat, the offbeat, my own beat. I try and I give up because it distracts me. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about worship. Listen, here's the thing. If it gets your focus off the Lord, stop doing it. Amen. If it helps you focus to the Lord and express what's in your heart, then in this church, you're free to do it in an orderly and decent manner, right? Now, if Jim pulls out a tambourine and starts running around the church while Bruce is preaching, inappropriate. You're gonna, we're going to have to stop him. We're going to have to control him. There <laughs> I know you're, you're disappointed. That's not orderly. That's disruptive. But there's a time and place. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, maybe I'm starting something. We should. You know, all of a sudden tambourines are going to break out. But uh, it's okay. You know what I mean? It's it's. But but do what you know. Now for me, you know, raising my hands and doing this is about like this. Okay. That's just, that's about as and again. Now when if, if you don't see me doing that, it's not because I, I'm not doing it in my heart. It's because honestly, my personality, I feel I'm, I, I feel awkward, and I feel like wow, it's like I'm just doing this, and all I'm doing is this. You know, that's personality. Don't judge. Don't judge. But there's other. We've we've had people. Uh, man, what what was our brother's name? Uh, uh, African American guy. Tony, Tony, we all know Tony. Yeah, Tony, man, man, he, he was vocal, he was verbal, he was out there. But that's Tony. You know, when I see Tony at the North Kansas City High School football games, 
He, he, I, I, don't, I can't tell whether he's worshiping or not because he's kind of acting like he does during worship. He's excited. You know, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So be free. But be free to put the focus on who? On him. On him. And so there's a balance between not distracting yourself and not distracting, you know, the people around you. But there's a time and place. So sing, shout. How did I get on that? That was good, though. There, there, there be a shift from verse 1 to 2 from focusing on the servants who prepare you for worship to the people gathered around you to worship. And so the idea of blessing the Lord, it's like, hey, come, let's sing, let's shout, let's speak. That's a part of worship. That's a part of worship. So let me give you three points of application on that. Okay, three points of application that you can jot down or listen, but take to heart. First of all, the only thing worse than limiting worship to a single worship service on Sunday is to limit it to just singing. Okay, the only thing worse then wor- limiting worship to a worship service is to worship uh, to limit it to worship through song okay listen to this from our website by the way we're going our our new mobile friendly great awesome websites coming out second hopefully second week we're dependent on other people but hopefully in february definitely in february hopefully early february but this is from our website and Todd I think maybe you even re- wrote this as our, our our praise team leader Our public worship includes singing and playing instruments. We do not believe that singing praise to God in a church service is in and of itself worship. However, we do believe that singing praise to God is a command to all and is a powerful way to respond to our God and King. Listen, so that's a great statement. And let me add to that. Singing is not singing praise to the Lord is not acceptable to the Lord without the first two essentials that we just talked about. Listen, if you're singing without serving, that's not worship. And if you're singing without a surrendered heart, that's not worship. And so to be honest with you, when you get the essentials in the right order, when you begin with a serving, surrendered heart, you can't help but sing, shout, and speak. Amen? All right. Good stuff, Chris. Keep it up. I will. Number two, when we sing or shout or speak, we sing or shout or speak to the Lord and to one another and to one another. So listen, when you sing, don't sing quietly. When it's corporate worship, sing loud. Now, I do that, and I get rebuked by my wife and daughter. They, Jay, they are, they, oh, they just, you know. So, yeah, I distract them in their worship, I guess, is what they say. But I I do it anyway. I just say, hey, stand a little farther away. You're fine. So Gwen always, I can't even hear myself when you're singing. Well, (laughs) praise God. You know, be joyful about that, Gwen. Okay? So I finally got my vindication. It may sound like I'm, you know, justifying myself. But Terry, let me, let me tell you how this worked. So we went to, uh, whose funeral was it? We went to, who, man, whose funeral was that in Liberty? It was, uh, oh, uh, uh, Willard Cornett's funeral. So we're at Willard Cornett's funeral. And so we're singing some great hymns. And man, I'm letting it go. And so we're walking out. And as we're walking out, this lady's in front of me, and she stops, and she turns it around because she hears me talking to Gwen. She goes, oh, you're that man that was standing behind me. 
you have a beautiful voice. I said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Gwen, come over here. Gwen, come over here. Say that again. Oh, you have a beautiful... Okay, thank you, thank you. Did she not say it? Yes, she did. It was glorious. It was glorious. I said, finally, thank you, Jesus. Listen, we are to sing and shout to the Lord, but we sing to one another. Let me give you two passages. We can't uh, slow down and read them all, but Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. In Ephesians 5, it says, Be filled with the Spirit, singing hymns and songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. But in Colossians 3... It says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And there it says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. So the idea is we're singing unto the Lord, but what we sing is to minister to one another at the same time. Amen. That's just good stuff, which means then our our the of our music, of our choruses, of our hymns need to be filled with words that bless the Lord and exalt Him. Amen? And not just, you know, great tunes. Oh, I love that tune. I mean, there's songs that, that I just love the tune. Some, I, I'm not even... I mean, I'm Christian secular. There's those songs I like. And sometimes I don't even know what the words... I don't even know what they're saying. Well, that's all right for entertainment. That's not all right for worship. Are you with me? Make sense? Good stuff? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, third point of application. Our, I guess I got ahead of myself. Our singing and shouting and speaking in worship needs to be word-fed and spirit-led. So as we sing to the Lord, as we speak to one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, it needs to be word-fed, Bible-based, and it needs to be spirit-led. Again, from our website, The message that our music and songs communicate is of highest importance to us. Whether our music is loud or soft, fast or slow, new or old, matters little in comparison to the message of the song. It is important to us that the songs accurately reflect the scriptures. Well, I would say amen, but it's more important to the Lord that they do that. All right. They need to be consistent with his name, who he is and what he does for us. Okay, fourth and final uh, component. Share his gracious promises, sharing his gracious promises. So this this passage. This passage ends. With it would seem the priests, the leaders of worship saying to the people, actually saying to the pe- each person individually, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. Now, if I approach Brian every day, every Sunday, and said, Brian, may the Lord bless you. Brian may move to a different table or quit coming altogether because he would say that's weird but we can do the same that we you don't have to you but but we can extend blessing amen a touch right a word spoken a, hey i prayed for you this week hey i i, I saw on facebook that you, you sounded discouraged i just want to say are you okay you know what I'm saying? 
See, that's what blessing. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think we're so afraid of being pious, it may not hurt to say, Jim, may the Lord bless you today. <laughs> may the Lord bless you. Because at the end of the day, I have no power or resources to change your life. I don't have the ability. I have the burden. But I don't have the ability to heal what hurts inside of you. But I know the one who does. And I can be his hands. I can be his feet. I can be his tongue to say to you, here are the promises of God. Let me share. And so when we worship, a high priority in worship is the speaking and the preaching and the reading of God's word. Amen. Because that's where the blessing of the Lord comes. By the Spirit applying the Word of God. Well, that was good for point one. We will come to point two and three next week. Unless there's an ice storm. Do you realize this series has been interrupted twice? Well, let me, let, me, let me in. Before you put things away, look at your notes again. Look at your notes and let this be the kind of the response what does it mean to worship the Lord? If I, and maybe I should have started the lesson, you know, this way. Write down your definition of worship. Worship, to me, worship is. Well, it's too late now. We're at the end, so I can't have you do that. But I think, based on this, just these three verses, just this short little song, I think we can say that what it means to worship the majesty of His glorious presence is to serve with a surrendered heart that sings and shouts and speaks in order to share His gracious promises with one another and folks with all people. Because here's the ultimate idea. The idea was Israel was to gather in Jerusalem so all the peoples of the world would hear and see and they would come. Amen? And so we're to share. So we started this this class period off with praying for missionaries in the Netherlands that are extending that word to Norway. Each week we do that. Why? Because what we do here is to extend to the peoples of the world. Amen? And we do it all for the fame of His name. We do it all for the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come. And I do not think we can be your children and not be um, convicted, to be quite honest. And to have a need to repent and to lament and to confess that we fall way short of our privilege. And too often we forget who we are as believer priests. Lord, we have outstanding servants in this church. May you multiply and increase them. May you protect them. And they do not grow weary in well-doing, that they do not lose the sense that I'm worshiping in the presence of the Lord as I, as I do this mundane, behind-the-scenes work. And Lord, may we not take for granted those who lead us in worship, the extra hours they put in, the, the time element that they sacrifice, they surrender. 
But Lord, at the end of the day, if I don't come with a surrendered heart, if I don't come with a desire to do my part, to work and not spectate, then I'm missing out on the greatest blessing that there is. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, and the body of Glenwood is missing out. And so, Father, I pray that uh, we'll take some time this week Maybe uh, turn off the social media, maybe turn off the TV, maybe take some walk out in your creation and just kind of reflect, where am I in relation to worshiping in your glorious presence? Where are, am I on my journey to joy? And Lord, I just pray your spirit and your word would just elevate, elevate the level of worship so that when people visit, They come and they sense, hey, it's not about these people's talent. It's not about their technology. It's not about the building size. It's it's about what they're doing and who they're doing it for. That's what we long for, Lord. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, let's put this left practice, amen.